Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited about another episode of our podcast. Today you're going to hear from Coach Brian Maper. He's the head football coach at East Texas Baptist University in Marshall, Texas. He's married. They have two daughters. He's coached at the high school, college, and professional ranks. But more than a football coach, he's an incredible man, incredible husband, incredible dad, loves the Lord. I cannot wait for you to hear from him, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach Maper. Thank you. Excited to be here. You bet. So I'd like to start these off with some background information. So if you don't mind, just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe um, where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up, and then your family today. Uh, grew up in Houston. Uh, Houston, Texas. Grew up in uh, A-Leaf. So any any Houston people listening, SWAT, Southwest A-Leaf, Texas. So, uh, very diverse uh, area. Um, we had every uh, race you can imagine, every religion you can imagine. So, it's a it's a unique situation. Elstick and Hastings sat, a, sat two football fields across from each other. So, you got picked by a lottery system. So, on our street, there's five of us. Three of us went to Elstick, and two went to Hastings. Um, so, like you're you don't like each other doing. Uh, the rivalry week, but once it's over, whoever wins, you're friends again. <laughs> so wow. you situation. Uh, then I went to Sam Houston State University, uh, went there, met my wife there. We're uh, orientation counselors. Uh, our sh- my senior year, her junior year, uh, we were basically just friends. And, and then a year later, it became more than just friends. Uh, been married, uh, Teresa, for 25 years, and we have two girls, Micah, who is at Texas Tech, and Mia, who is uh, a sophomore in high school. That's awesome. And I know when we talked briefly on the phone, um, we didn't talk a lot about um, your faith journey, but you were saying that you had a you know, pretty interesting story of finding Jesus. So, you know, talk a little bit about your you're growing up as related to faith. And then at what point did you decide that you wanted a personal relationship with Jesus? Okay. Yeah. I probably might be one of the most unique uh, people you talk to on your podcast. Uh, I grew up Jewish, um, got bar mitzvah at 13, uh, did all the, the ritual things. Um, and to me is a lot of rituals uh, in Judaism. Um, great religion, but it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the, uh, the law. And, you know, we would, um, now on the back of my jacket, Jewish people are very proud of being Jewish. On the back of my jacket, I was a receiver. So when you make someone miss, uh, you call it juking them. <laughs> so on the back of my jacket, it said J-E-W-K-E-R, juker. Um, ah. So we're, Jews are obviously pretty proud, but uh, my testimony is kind of long, but uh, I'll kind of summarize it. Uh, talk to people about always listening for God's words. So I was a um and things build up so i was a senior going to sam houston uh senior in high school finished up going to sam houston and i this gym the 24-hour gym and i find the envelope and it says for you well this is like two in the morning because we got done playing basketball and i open the envelope up and it's got a little placard in there it's really cool kind of like the footprint prince placard um about jesus carrying you, mm-hmm. carrying you through the rough times well this was a uh, I've waited to talk to you. I whispered to you in the, the cool breeze. Um, and at the very end, it says, love your friend Jesus. 
Well, as a wow. Jew, I, I didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. And I was like, what are y'all talking about? So, but for some reason I kept that. And then my neighbor I worked um, in high school, put on vinyl siding and he kind of testified to me, meeting my wife. She was a strong Catholic uh, and she didn't really push it real hard, but we kind of talked about it somewhat. Then I go to Southern Arkansas um, and Coach Roberts, who was a major influence in my life, started doing uh, Bible studies or devotionals. And I'd sit in there listening just out of curiosity. But through all those people, I said about always listening because God is always talking to us. Um, and then one night um, at Southern Arkansas, as a graduate assistant in 1995, in October, um, I was just reading the Bible about 12 o'clock. Uh, my wife was asleep and it hit me. And people say about seeing a light. Um, I really saw a light. I felt the presence of Jesus just coming over me. And it was it was unbelievable. I get chills even thinking about it right now. And I go up there, my wife's sleeping, I wake her up and uh, said, I've just accepted Christ. And she hugs me. She's excited. I wait till uh, 7 a.m. I don't sleep because it's actually a game day the next day. I wake up at, uh, I'm at the head coach's off uh, front door at 7 a.m. knocking on his door, telling him I accepted Christ. So wow. it was, uh, and I was uh, 24 then. So a later in life story. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm just trying to think through all of that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure um, I would, at that age, was paying attention that well. So that's, or at least to read my Bible at 12 o'clock. That's, that's amazing. I was, uh, um, yeah, I wasn't paying attention. It's looking back and you reflect and everything and all of a sudden you see it. But, uh, that was the catalyst, all those moments. And coach Roberts doing the, uh, devotionals just start sparking interest in me. And it's also a good reminder too, for us that, you know, that we are believers and, and following Christ to, to know that we are surrounded by people that, don't know him and so everything we do and say um people are watching no definitely yeah that's that the, your your story is a great reminder of that I, I know at least for me um that's awesome and we'll get we'll talk a little bit of, um more about your faith as we go through but i want to talk some some sports first um at what point did you decide or feel called or make the decision to to go into coaching um, and, you know, talk about your coaching journey because you're one of the few I've, I've talked to that you've coached at, um, I think, three divisions of college football. You've coached professionally in Europe and even high school football in Texas. So you, your experience is all levels. Yes. Yeah. I, so in college, um, I went to go be a doctor. <laughs> oh, wow. Mama, mama wanted me to be a doctor to be a doctor, so I was gonna go be a doctor. I love sciences, but after my first uh, classes of uh, biology, making a very low B, um, I was like, well, if I'm barely making a B in biology right now, and I really love it, so I was passionate about it, um, I don't know what medical schools I'm gonna get into. <laughs> so I decided to switch to business because <clears throat> my dad was an accountant, my uncle was an accounting professor, uh, so I was going to go kind of that business direction, but then after a while I'm doing, I had probably about a year and a half of accounting uh, credit and I'm sitting there thinking, do I really want to be sitting behind a desk every single day for the rest of my life? 
I love football. Um, it's time to change. So I called my dad and I said, Hey dad, I'm think I want to coach. He goes, that's great. If, uh, he goes, I do this cause it's what I've been trying to do, but yeah, you have to have fun and passion about it. So that's when I changed my mind and decided to get into coaching. Um, so I was at Sam Houston State University, and uh, Coach Randleman allowed me. I, I was playing. Uh, I got cut from the team. I was a practice squad guy, and I, I love practicing. I practiced against a guy that played in the league for 17 years. Um, it's kind of a unique story because I don't know if you had talked to him. I know some people had, but on the scout team, Blake Anderson, who's the head coach at Arkansas State, mm. um, our tight end got hurt. Blake goes to tight end. Blake gets hurt. I go to tight end on scout team. Where we're blocking two guys that are getting drafted. And uh, <laughs> it was pretty interesting, but I loved it. I loved to practice. That was my game time. And then uh, about two weeks later, I got hurt. So it was not a good time to be a scout tight end at Sam Houston. <laughs> so, wow. Um, but love football. So I asked Coach Randleman if I could get into coaching. And uh, I said, I really don't want to be a manager. I want to learn football. I want to, but I'll do anything you – let me do. And he gave me a chance at the spring. I ran the scout teams. I did everything they wanted to do, film breakdown. Uh, then that next semester, we had an opportunity to, he, I wanted basically books, uh, tuition. I said, can you at least give me books as part of what I'm doing? He said, well, let me think about it. And he ended up uh, offering me a restricted earning spot, which is kind of like a graduate assistant now. Uh, so that was really important to me. So I was at Sam Houston uh, with a lot of coaches that are head coaches now, very influenced in my life. Then I went to Southern Arkansas to get my master's with Steve Roberts, uh, and Steve is awesome. Uh, of course, was a major decision in my, my faith journey. Uh, he was the head coach at Southern Arkansas, turned that program around at Northwestern State, at Arkansas State. I believe he was a FCA director in Arkansas for a couple of years, and now he's the Arkansas uh, head coach, the Arkansas Coaches Association uh, president, uh, awesome oh, wow. guy. So one of the guys I call up for advice on some things. So I graduated, uh, went to high school first semester, then had a chance to go to Howard Payne University, uh, which was uh, major in my faith walk because the environment that was around there. But I was at Howard Payne for nine years with Coach Gibson. Um, who was at Frisco. I was with Frisco there. So we left Howard Payne, had a lot of success there, went to Frisco High School, uh, turned Frisco around the first year. <coughs> um, had a lot of fun, but I had a passion to get back into college. Uh, went to Navarro as an assistant. Uh, we had we won the, the conference that first year, won our bowl game, and our head coach had a chance to go to Lamar University. Um, so I went with him to Lamar University as assistant head coach special team coordinator, um, had a blast learning how to start a program because um, it was scratched. I mean, we had to redo the stadium. We were officed in closets in the oh, wow. basketball facility. Um, but it's a beautiful campus down there, beautiful facilities at Lamar. Uh, and then uh, the, the opportunity opened up at Navarro College as the head coach. Um, I got that position there, and we had a lot of success there um, from – then we had a administration change, uh, different uh, different circumstances. Let's put it that way. That I decided to move on from there. Uh, 
I had a chance to go over to Serbia, um, interviewed for the position while I was at Navarro, and the guy said, uh, I said, okay. He goes, well, when's the decision going to be made? He goes, well, I'm the owner, so if you want the job, it's yours. Oh, wow. <laughs> next thing you know, I'm packed up heading over there, um, kind of left pretty quick and coached in Serbia. A lot of people get that mixed up with Siberia, but it's <laughs> Eastern Europe. Uh, incredible culture. I loved it out there. Uh, did that for a semester and then came back to the States, <clears throat> worked at Brennan High School for a year and a half, and then this just kind of landed in my lap. And it's in God's paved the way the whole time. So that's a snapshot everywhere. <laughs> that's awesome. And you're I'm currently the head football coach at, at uh, you're currently the head football coach at East Texas Baptist. So, um, You've been there for two years. So talk about um, coming in there and the culture um, of that program and kind of what you're building there. Well, again, you know, God paved the way 100%. You know, I left I left Navarro, which a job I loved, to go to Serbia. And then uh, just knew God was going to provide when I got back. We got back late in the summer. Uh, had an awesome time at Brennan High School, but really wanted to get back into – to college and it just, it was, it was a great moment and a great uh, opportunity for our entire family. So Kendi TBU, our president is incredible. Our athletic director is incredible. Uh, ETBU is unlike any school I've ever been to. Um, it's, it's a true Christ-centered uh, university. We have strong Christian coaches that dis disciple to our student athletes. Uh, I mean, I can't, it's, it's just hard to explain when I recruit guys and I tell them, first thing I tell them, number one, is that if, if you don't want to hear about Christ, you better not come here. Mm. We're going to talk about it every day. So it's, and it's the feel you get walking around campus. Um, everybody is friendly and happy with you. You know, when I got here, I was the fifth head coach in five years and people moved to, moved up the ladder, career ladder, um, different issues that, that had them kind of go away. And uh, so when I got here, it was big for us to build relationships because it felt like there was a difference. There was players over here and there were coaches that were always moving or leaving for whatever reason. Uh, and again, it's just, it was the circumstance that was here. So we opened our doors to everybody. So if you come by, uh, you're invited in. We may be busy, but come on in. We'll talk to you. We'll hang out. And everybody started coming in, hanging out and loving it here. So we, we started uh, talking about encouraging one another, you know, uh, being united about loving each other, about uh, building relationships with each other, and then growing guys spiritually, athletically, and, and making memorable moments outside of football. Because you have great football moments, but in any type of family, any type of loving family, there's tons of moments out there. So we try to create different moments uh, throughout the year where they could say, you know, back on this day, you know, we remember that day we did the slip and slide before practice or after practice. I mean, it was a, it was a blast. So we try to do you know, different fun things. Awesome, awesome, awesome place to be. <laughs> That's good. And just as a quick note to listeners, one of the early podcasts we did, we had some guys from East Texas Baptist on. I think they were called right. uh, Heat on the Hill. I think was their little um, <laughs> Twitter music group. They they did and. Uh, interviewed them with Brian Bach and uh, Zach and, and Jacobs. That's kind of was our introduction to East Texas Baptist. Oh, yeah, those, those guys are awesome. I mean, you always see some type of video. They had, <laughs> yeah. they had the president at one time. 
um, some of the coaches. Yeah, they're they're a fun group to be around. So that's uh, so ETBU is always kind of special to to not just uh, you know our podcast, but also our family, just because of some relationships we've made through that. So um, so you mentioned that it's truly a Christ-centered university. So talk about what it's like to coach an environment like that um, from the discipleship standpoint. I mean, you have a a, a team word or theme. So, so talk about that and just the discipleship process of coaching there. Yeah. So, you know, with, with my maturity and my faith a little later in life, I've always been trying to learn uh, as I've gone along. And so kind of gotten big into prayer um, the last five years and a big thing is just again trying to follow what god wants me to do just god's will being done in my life whatever it may be so um and this none of it's credited to me i'm i'm not smart enough to figure all this stuff out <laughs> it's all god just saying hey you need to do this you need to do this because there's always a voice in the back of your head and again i don't think someone's just telling me i know god's telling me to do this so we do a theme of the week each week and it's it's something on our pillars. So it might be on, about unity, uh, which it, we'll talk about in a little bit about Hinnatos. And then it might be on a, um, one of our pillars that we talk about, but there's going to be some central phrase that we're going to come out with scripture. So before we get out uh, a practice that week, I'm going to read them scripture, scripture before we go down. This is what unity is about. Um, in fact, today, uh, we talked about we talked about unity because we just started spring ball. Talked about Philippians two two. Complete my joy by being of same mind, having mm. the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So um, that's what I try to search the the most applicable scripture to what our verse is. Um, and then we do a weekly coaches uh, coaches outreach. Uh, I am a 100% supporter of Coaches Outreach. It's an incredible, incredible mm-hmm. Bible study you go through. Uh, when I was at Brennan High School, it's the first time I heard of it, and we did it there with a couple coaches, and our entire staff does it. Uh, a former coach, a uh, former administrator here in Marshall leads us, Ted Huffons, and it's he does a super job. So we do Coaches Outreach together, and then we – do the players outreach, the coaches outreach for the players, which mm-hmm. they do that also, and it coincides with ours. Um, the first year we did it, uh, first several year, couple years, year and a half, we did it by position groups. Um, and then as we evaluate each year, one thing we thought was, you know, like me personally, I knew all the receivers. I, I got to have vulnerable moments with them where they kind of open up to us. But – I didn't know the defensive backs or the D line like we knew the receivers. Mm-hmm. So what we started doing is we basically grouped it seniors, uh, juniors, sophomores, and just randomly put people across there. So in my group, I have uh, one one or two quarterbacks, a running back, D line, linebackers, receiver. I mean, it's the whole uh, every position basically is how it's split up. So they get to interact with each other. So that's one thing we've done. It's made a major difference on our team because, um, again, guys open up and they talk about their struggle. I mean, we've had guys that their parents had uh, – one was uh, murdered, another mm. one, uh, you know, 
in jail. Uh, another one's battling cancer. And when they, they're able to open it up and share with us, then you, you understand what's going on in that person's life. Because a lot of men hold uh, a strong shell and they don't That's open right. up. And it's incredible to see 18 to 22 year old kids talking about it and caring about each other and then praying for each other. So that's that's been uh, unbelievable. Uh, another thing we do is uh, we have a local uh, pastor, uh, Reverend Webb. He has been doing this for a long time, rapping with the Rev. He comes out with some music. Now we play music all the time. So he's hearing the same music we listen to at practice, but uh, he comes out there and gives us a, a message and uh, the guys love him. I mean, it's uh, he's retired now from his full-time job. He's in ministry, so I think he's going to be a lot more involved with us, which is great, um, kind of like a chaplain-type person That's where the awesome. guys can kind of engage into him. Um, and then uh, we have players uh, open our meetings and uh, our, our staff, our team meetings. So – I just tell them, I said, you, you don't get good at praying out loud unless you actually pray out loud. Mm-hmm. So a different person does it and they get comfortable with it. But probably one of the most unique things we do is, um, and again, it just came to me because God put it on my heart to do this. There was a guy somewhere on the West Coast that they would meditate in the middle of practice. Completely strangest thing you ever heard of. They just lay there and stare at the clouds and they just be going, okay, what's going on here? And, uh, so to me, I was like, well, well, it was put on my heart. I thought about that, but, you know, we could do scripture during this time. So this past year in the spring, we did Luke and Romans. Basically, you're talking about a three to five minute um, scripture. They all lay down, they're quiet, they could drink water, they could stretch, but it's right in the middle of practice. Uh, but they're going to hear the gospel. Wow. Every, every fall, they're going to hear the gospel. And then right now, we're going through uh, Galatians. Um, and then we'll go through a couple more after we get through Galatians. Hadn't, hadn't figured that out yet right now. But uh, And then I, I give a summary of it. And I asked the guys at the end of the year, how did you like our discipleship time? How did you like our half times? Because uh, we call it half time. Um, and they all love it. Um, they all hear the word. Um, so it's been really good for us. That is, wow. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to visualize that, right, and just the power of 18 to 22 year old young men taking a break from a violent game of football and hearing the gospel. I mean, to me, that's powerful. It, it is. And it's, and you got guys that come and ask you questions. And then like, now this was a hard one because I don't want to speak falsely because right. me, I don't want to be uh, <laughs> condemned or whatever. Uh, I want to speak false words. So last spring we did revelations. And Oof. I had to call a few pastors to kind of how to explain what does this mean? Because I'll, I'll give a quick summary of it. Um, so, and obviously the whole meaning behind this was the scriptural message for mm-hmm. them to hear the gospel and to be curious about Christ if they don't know him. Um, but on the football side, because I know there are football coaches listening, so this could help you out too. We were actually practicing a real halftime, a football halftime, uh, just mm-hmm. by coincidence, because the guy said, you know, we get back up, we stretch, and then we jump right into practice, and you're going full speed. And it's just like you come in at halftime, sit on, sit down, get off your feet, listen to the adjustments, and you go out for a quick warm-up, and you start the game again. Mm. So there's a byproduct of that that we didn't see coming, but God works in great ways. So he said, 
hey, we're going to give you this also. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. So you mentioned a word um, when we started this. Um, I want to I want to hear the backstory because I'll be honest. When I start seeing the hashtag Hinatas and then going to games or seeing on T-shirts, I remember the first time I saw it um, on as a hashtag. I googled it, and then when I first game I went to, I had to go back and Google it again because I, I you know it's not a word I was familiar with. So talk about that word and what it means to the program. Okay, so Hinatas, <clears throat> it's in Ephesians twice, and it's talking about the unification of the church body. Hmm. So um, we wanted some type of phrase that meant what we were about, whether it meant family, whether it meant unity, whatever word it was. So we start talking around, and I'm going to give credit where it's due. Uh, Dylan Bowman at uh, Gilmer, he was at Gilmer before, and one of the coaches, I think maybe Coach Trailer uh, or one of the coaches there had talked about Hinatos. And I don't hmm. know if they used it, and I was like, well, boy, this, this is what it's all about. So we had a toss our word because, like you said, number one, it provokes interest. When we walk around, you got henna toss written across your shirt, and you're going for a <laughs> pregame meal in, uh, I don't know, Colleen or Jackson, Mississippi, and someone says, hey, what, what is that? And then you, you get an opportunity to share the message with them. That's right. It's, it's really strong, and, it's, uh, and that's what we wanted. We wanted something that, that provoked interest and that had gave us an opportunity to share the message. And then – it, it's something that talked about what we what we wanted, our mm-hmm. purpose, and our whole purpose is to be united. Um, if we're united, everything else falls in place. So that's awesome. We break everything out with Pentatos. <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember the first time, you know, I saw it on, on online, but then hearing y'all break out with it um, in, in a pregame and then sitting on T-shirts, I, I, I mean, I'll never forget. I'm, I'm sitting there in the stands Googling the right. word, and, and, you know, I knew unity, but it's, I just think that's awesome that um, the message it sends, like you said, when you're on the road and you're out at a pregame meal or, or wherever you are, it just it, it attracts people to, at least if they go Google it, they're going to see Jesus. Exactly. We, we had that big mega camp, which has tons of people here. Last year we had over 1,000 of players in here and all throughout the field house it says Hinatos and I couldn't tell you how many division one coaches come up to hey what does that mean wow get a chance to share with them and uh it gets them thinking so yeah yeah Yeah, because just because they're at a camp on your campus doesn't mean they're a believer right (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's awesome so um just thinking about you've coached a lot of guys um, is there one just from an athletic standpoint, one or two that just stand out to you? Well, there's, there's going to be several. Because at a junior college, I mean, that's true. I couldn't tell you how many guys went and played in the NFL. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few and I'll talk real quick. The best lineman, Jamarcus Webb, uh, one, uh, he's from the Dallas area. I can't remember where exactly from. Stood up to everybody from Navarro College. Uh, stood up Bobby Bowden, stood up uh, uh, Arkansas, stood up Texas because um, he had some issues. He got his life straight. And then uh, he actually started as a rookie at Chicago at left tackle. So he was a blindside tackle, phenomenal athlete. Um, and then quarterback-wise, um, my guy, I love him to death, Carson Earp. He's from uh, Waco Robinson. Mm-hmm. He played for me at Navarro. He played at Lamar. He's a, he's a coach there at Lamar right now. 
incredible person, um, strong Christian believer. But what he did football-wise is tall, lanky uh, kid. But, I mean, he would make people miss. I mean, he'd outrun them. They all thought he was slow, and he's running by safeties and corners. And phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback. And then running back-wise, this is tough because I'm going to explain to you why. Um, had Traylon said my first year at Navarro, and Traylon went to Texas, then came to our place. Uh, he was kind of like an Eric Dickerson, big, tall, strong runner. But then the next two years, had a guy named Tim Wright. Tim Wright, and uh, um, I can't think of his name, from Alito, and then was at Texas. Anyway, they, they, Toledo and Lamarck played each other in the state game, and that was the battle of two best running backs in the state of Texas, probably ever. And Tim Wright was phenomenal. He was our bowl winner. Uh, he was a bowl MVP at the bowl down in a, a college station. Um, phenomenal athlete. Uh, could run, catch, everything. And he probably should have been the J.C. Heisman uh, offensive MVP, but they gave it to a guy somewhere else because he went to an SEC school. <laughs> but what was crazy – the guy that rotated in with them, because we just rotated guys. Uh, a guy named Keon Kenner from Little Elm. Keon <laughs> was phenomenal. I don't know how he's not playing in the NFL, um, but we're, we're watching film on him this week with some of the players. Uh, phenomenal athlete. Ended up going to Kansas, um, but un- unbelievable. <laughs> so he, and he was the Heisman, the, the junior college Heisman that year. Wow. So we were blessed to have a few good running backs. <laughs> That's incredible. I, I was trying to think of the guy you mentioned from Alito. Um, Went to Texas and he's playing in the – sure he's playing in the league. Or is it did. Jonathan Gray? Jonathan Gray. There you go. Yeah, I just so, remember all the publicity of yeah. being in the Dallas area um, and following high school football. I just remember that name constantly. Yeah, so that state game, it was Alito and Lamarck. So you got two okay. running backs. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. What about um, on the spiritual side? I know, you know, probably ETBU, I'm sure it happened, but just in your career, is there an athlete that just stands out of a a time that you just saw God really use you in their life? You know, there's – I thought about that when you kind of asked me, um, and there wasn't – there's been a lot of guys that have come in and cried in the office about different Mm -hmm. things that have – been ailing them to just there to care, care for him. A lot of guys that called in the past that said, you know, something you had done, it's, it's you know, planting the seed um, mm-hmm. that it happens years later. Um, but to me, rather than talk about what I did for others, to me, I thought this question would be more appropriate to say, who helped me? Because I had mm-hmm. two kids that I thought were incredible. And, uh, <laughs> I get emotional when I start thinking about them and talking about them. But when I was young in my walk, I had a chance to go to Howard Payne and felt called to lead FCA. And I had two kids, Khalid Nazarudin, a kid from Aldean, went to Texas, left our place, ended up going to Texas Tech and earning a scholarship and starting. And then Drew McMaster, which was our kicker out of Bel Air High School and was an All-American kicker for us at Howard Payne. And those guys led me so much in my faith, and they, I don't think they even knew it because I would sit there and I was just mesmerized by the way they talked to people, the way they cared about people. Um, so those two were a major influence in my life. 
And I thought that was a little more important than <laughs> who I might have influenced. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's good. Um, that's awesome. What about, um, you know, you, you, you talked a little bit about your, your, your family. So the demands of being a coach is uh, it's a lot on you, especially being, being a, a head coach. So how do you balance that with being a husband and a dad? Yeah, it's hard. You know, there's a lot of sacrifices you have in college and high school. Um, you know, mainly it's time. I mean, you're over here being parent, father figures to, to the guys on the team. So the big thing is when you're at home, just being present, you know, mm-hmm. not going to do your own thing or it's time for me to unwind, just being present, putting your phone away. Uh, my phone's usually on silent. I miss some, some calls, but I, I get them back later. But it, it was it was a major decision in us to move to Europe with the family and homeschool the girls. I know it's a little extreme, but uh, that was a major decision at the time. We're like, well, I'm so wrapped up in this and I was spending time with them, but I'm sitting there going, one's about to be in high school and other one's about to be in middle school. And I just miss being with my kids. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of been, that was a little selfish too, but to me, we need to be a family together. So that was a big reason why we went over overseas and we homeschooled our girls for a year. You know, fortunately my wife works for Lamar University and teaches online. So we had her salary. Um, and I could, I could write a book how it's incredibly cheap to live in Europe. <laughs> I, I spend about a fourth of the money over there that I spend here in the States, but it was, it was the most incredible experience my wife and, and girls had that we had together uh, a year, half a year, me before they got there, then a, a year with them. We were in 17 different countries and that was the, they kind of fought a little bit while we were there because they missed their friends. But when they got mm-hmm. back, it's like, I mean, that's all they talk about. And that's, I mean, that's something that year or whatever, that's something that'll be within the rest of your life. Especially when you're stuck in there with mom and dad in a month in a one bedroom. <laughs> we always try to get at least a two bedroom or three bedroom, but there's one month we had a one bedroom. So it was like a one bedroom with the couch bed out there. <laughs> Oof. That's unity there. That is unity. That's a lot of hint of toss. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's bringing, yeah, that is a lot. So let me ask you about um, kind of a coaching philosophy, if you will. Um, there's a lot of talk in the media in the last um, few months. I think it was in the fall. It, it went crazy on, on Twitter when the new series of um, Last Chance You came out. And one of the coaches was quoted about, you know, yeah, about using profanity and you have to do it. Um, and then Tony Dungy and some others came out and, and disputed that. So, um, but as a believer and in, in, as a coach, how do you balance that? Um, because, I mean, you're demanding excellence, but there's a fine line in, you know, tearing tearing people down, right? So, how do you how do you handle that? And, and the pressures in coaching to coach a certain way. Well, you know, again, the, the people that I w- was around uh, as head coaches influenced me majorly. Coach Randleman uh, never cursed at Sam Houston State. Uh, Coach Roberts at Southern Arkansas never cursed and was a strong, strong Christian man. Uh, Coach Gibson at Higher Payne <coughs> does not curse. Uh, so I was around people. And then I, don't, I can't remember the verse. I don't have it written down, but, you know, it states it in the Bible. And I've told it to our kids when they start, when I hear a cuss word, you know, it's stated in the Bible, bless and don't curse. So mm. 
when I went to Navarro, it's crazy because uh, I'm glad you brought out Last Chance U because there's so many junior college coaches that are doing it right. That was a uh, it was neat to see Navarro and the cheer if you hadn't seen that because they they actually made that pretty good and Monica's awesome. So uh, you have to be a cheer person to kind of like that. But since we were there with with her, the cheer episode is is really great. But Last Chance U. I mean, they made it look really poor on junior college coaches. And like I said, there's a lot of junior college coaches that don't do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I didn't let our guys cuss. And if they cussed, basically one of our – my OC, Cody Creel, I would have his daughter go around. And I said, okay, I want you to walk around practice because they got dropped off at this the practice field. I said, write down the number, the jersey number, <laughs> and of the player if you hear him cuss. And I said, I'll give you a quarter for every cuss word. And next thing you know, after the first day, I think I owed like $10 and something. So I'm going, okay, I'll give you a nickel. And then I (laughs) I owed like $5. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you probably $2 a day. And she was fine. But And I'd run the guys for cussing. And they just knew every time they were around me, they weren't going to cuss. So – you know, that's that's big to me is 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 how you present yourself, and then mm-hmm. the, the people around you are going to act that same way. As far as the the approach, you know, you got to love one another. I mean, that's what God calls us to do: love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, so you don't need to be demeaning. I heard a podcast recently. I bounced back and forth between yours and a couple others, and they were talking about coaching old school. Um, and they said, if the couldn't actually do that. Well, if the kids know you care and love them, yes, you get on. And we get on our guys for doing stuff Absolutely. wrong. Now, we're not going to cuss them, but we're going to coach them really hard um, and uh, correct them. But you can't get on them um, if they don't know you love them. And, but you can get on them, but not degrading them. So mm-hmm. we try to always encourage and not allow negativity. Uh, like what Urban Meyer uh, talked about, no BCD, no blaming, complaining, or defending your actions. Uh, understanding that we're correcting you because we're demanding you to try to pursue a passion of excellence. So, and that's what we tell our guys, that we love you, but we're going to be pretty demanding on you. I like that because I know, I mean, as, as a parent, I mean, that, even even parenting is – there's that fine line yes. of, um, you know, I I hear it from my kids. You know, there's, there's a lot of negativity. It seems like all we're hearing is what we're not doing. You know, so, you know, trying to find that that line of encouraging but also, I mean, there is a time for correction. Yes. Well, it was great today, good example today. So we were supposed to go out this morning and, and run. I told you we did our uh, mm-hmm. early morning uh, uh, station work, and then uh, we practiced in the afternoon. So we missed it. We watched video and then went out to practice that afternoon. But the, the energy and the enthusiasm was so incredible because I had marked down, okay, we're going to run this many gassers afterwards because we missed it. And I told them, I said, hey, guys, here's the deal. We're, we're about to run gassers, but I'm so proud of you all because – there is no discouraging words. You were all encouraging each other. The excitement was there. And, uh, boy, they were pumped up. Number one, they weren't, weren't running. Uh, no one wants to run. But then they are like, you know, you, you feel good because you're like, yeah, we were doing this. We were encouraging one another. We are a team. So, right, yeah. And, it, yeah, it makes them feel some ownership too. Exactly. That's awesome. So um, now a question about the role of sports. I mean, this one could go – all different places, but 
I don't want to get political, but culture is very divided, whether it's race, socioeconomics, religion, politics, there's just so many things that divide us. And I think there's very few things that bring us together and sports is one of those. So how have you seen in your time coaching the role of sports kind of tearing down those walls where people don't see those, those walls? Um, well, I mean, and, and I've heard your podcast many times, so I'm going to sound like, like I'm, I'm repeating exactly what everyone says, but the awesome thing about sports, football, uh, someone said it, uh, I can't remember if it was on your podcast or someone else, but like even the, the arts, the orchestra, the band, I mean, whatever it is, there is there is no, you, you don't see color. I mean, you don't see black, mm. white, uh, brown. Uh, it's just the best person is going to be able to succeed in what they're doing. Because uh, really, that linebacker doesn't care what color that quarterback is. He wants to hit him as hard as he can. And it's uh, and then we talked about it, kind of example that we used. Because um, I, th- I think it's got to change. And hopefully what we do in, in athletics and in other organizations, uh, like I said, the arts, is, is break down those barriers. And we talked about on MLK Day, it has to start from a change of the heart from inside yourself. It's the mm-hmm. only way it's going to happen. Um, you know, my on one side of my family, because the time they grew up on, uh, they were racist. And mm-hmm. my family, my the guys I, I played high school and hung out with were, were different, uh, different races. And when somebody told me I couldn't bring those people by whatever anymore, I said, well, if I can't bring them by, I'm not going by. I said, mm-hmm. I, it's crazy. So, uh, but it, it's got to come from a change your heart because that's a generation, two generations away that that now I don't see it that way and my kids don't see it that way. Uh, so it's a change of your heart um, to change the whole race issue or the dividedness. That's good. I always, I love the analogy of sports because it's that common goal. Um, and I know if you, you obviously listen to a lot of our podcasts, you've probably heard me say it. I just think it's a beautiful picture. Oh, it is. how Christ designed the church, you know, because a lot of times inside the church, we can't even get along, you know, because we're not focused on the one goal. Right. Um, so I, I love, I love just how sports can do that. And I don't know if you, you listened to one of the early ones I was able, very fortunate to do is talk to uh, coach Bill Curry. Um, and that was a blind message. I sent him after I heard an interview I'll never forget, he was on the last episode of Mike and Mike on ESPN radio in the morning, and they, he was talking about the week of 9-11. He was driving through the state of Alabama in a small town, and they were canceling – the ESPN was canceling all the college football games. He said he was getting gas at a gas station. The young – this man said, well, my town, we play football. And, and Bill Curry just said that was just an example of, you know, for three hours nobody saw anything. Right. except for a game and that, that just that image maybe for me growing up in Alabama it's a little more powerful just because it is a still somewhat divided so that's the great thing about watching film when you're watching film you can't see half the stuff anyway and white guys wear black tights and black guys wear white tights and that's true who's on there so you're just like okay that guy's making plays and that guy's not making plays there we go let's go find number 10 and get him here <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that now with the, the gear the guys wear. I can't even tell our guys on, on our film when it's when it's fuzzy. I'm like, who is that in there? <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
So this next question, um, some advice for a coach or student athlete that's listening, um, you know, sports as a platform um, can be used for good or bad. So what, what would you say to a coach or, or a student athlete that um, wants to use their platform to be bold in their faith? Um, you know, you know, God created us to be awesome. I mean, he created us and gave us the ability to reason. He made us in his own image. So I mean, just think about the power in that. Um, you know, so if you think about all the power he's given us, I mean, what we're able to do that, um, to me, you should have no fear and strive for perfection in Christ no matter what. Um, you know, since, since I became a believer, um, you know, I don't, I don't understand how people can not say stuff because you're, you're denying Christ in my mind. Mm. That's good. No, that's good. I had a, I interviewed one, one of the coaches I interviewed last summer. He's, you know, he just, his thing was, you know, who am I serving the administration or Jesus? Yeah. I, you know? I like, uh, you know, I like telling the guys, you know, like Nike, just do it. You know, yeah. I was, when I became a believer, I was really worried about my grandparents, how they would feel. And I was extremely mm. close to my, my grandfather on my dad's side. I'd go out there all the time. And my grandmother got sick. And, uh, you know, this was uh, when I was 26, so a couple year and a half after. And she was, I mean, she was, I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to lose her before that. And I'm sitting there thinking, if I don't tell them, it's like me denying Christ. And I didn't mm. want that to happen. And so I just prayed about it. And I had opportunity to, to be with them and told them, you know, I'm a Christian now. I've accepted Christ. And they had talked me through it. Um, and then the funny thing was, the first thing they asked, I was going to Methodist church at the time. They said, uh, well, what are you going to? I said, oh, Methodist church is <clears throat> where our head coach goes. And they go, oh, thank God you're not Baptist. <laughs> so I'm like, now I'm, I'm Baptist. So, but, uh, you know, I'll be able to tell them. And then later on, I, you know, I wrote a letter to my mom and dad about, uh, well, I wrote a letter to my mom because how are you going to raise your kids? And I had to tell them too because it was denying them, <clears throat> denying Christ. So I write a letter, and, and my mom's had a real tough time with it. Uh, and then I didn't have to write it to explain it to my dad. I just called my dad and told him, I said, hey, I've accepted Christ. And my dad starts crying. He said, he said, you know what? I mean, <laughs> it's I get emotional too on this. He goes, he goes, I've been praying for a way to tell you somehow but I've accepted Christ myself. Whoa. Here's people, I mean, we're, we're five, seven hours away from each other, and we both accepted Christ and didn't know how to tell each other. So just be bold. God's going to provide. Mm. He's not going to make anything wrong. And in, in, in the United States, we're, we, we're blessed with so much freedom that other countries don't have the, the luxury of having. I mean, it's not like I'm going to tell something about Christ and someone's going to try to execute me. Right. So, be bold in your faith. I mean, I think about those people in those countries that it may be death if they know you're a Christian and they're still bold for Christ. So I think we're called to do that. That's awesome. I love that. I'm just, yeah, that's, that's just powerful. Just thinking about you and your dad. Um, wow. like I told you it's a unique story. The whole, <laughs> the whole testimony. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incredible. So let me ask, this is always a fun one for me because I get a lot out of this one. Um, a lot of people have a favorite verse, or I like to ask, is there one you'd share that maybe God has shown you recently 
Yeah, so so when I got here, I wanted to – they've had a verse here <clears throat> um, with the team. Um, it's kind of been a thing. So, you know, you kind of go through, well, what's a fitting verse? What's a verse that I like? Because obviously – as a head coach, it's got to reflect my values and my character and what I believe mm-hmm. in. And I could not tell you how many verses. I had sticky notes all over the place. I'd, I'd read a verse and I'd write it down. I'd stick it over there. And this was but be like my my number one pile, number two pile. So I had tons <laughs> of them. And I was like, oh, maybe I like that one. So I, anyway, it uh, narrowed it down. And I love this verse. It's what we're all about. Uh, it's what, to me, what every team should be about, what every individual uh, not on a team should be about Romans 12, 10. It is plastered mm. all over our field house here. I got it where everyone can see it all the time. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself. Uh, if you're devoted to one another in love, I mean, you're going to love the person next to you. Called the, you know, God calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So if you're devoted to your teammate, if you're devoted to your, your family member, in love, you're going to do everything you can to make sure they succeed. And if you honor them above yourself, um, obviously you're going to care about what happens in their life. You're going to make sure you do everything you can to see them succeed again. So I love the verse. I mean, I can think of a perfect verse for, for a team, for, for anybody. Well, that's awesome. I love that. And that is, I mean, to me, that is a verse that um, I probably don't go to enough, but, you know, we talk about, culture i mean you want to change culture live that out that's i mean servant leaderhood right there yeah and that's that's what it's all about right there that's good so one last question um the two words all over sports all in i mean it's it's everywhere um but it's also all in the new testament when jesus um you know people ask him what what does it mean to follow him he's he tells us you know deny yourself um, you have to be all in. He doesn't want us to be one foot in, one foot out. So I like to ask this from a practical standpoint, though, like on a daily basis, what does that look like for you to be all in your walk? Um, you know, for me, it's 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 what we preach to our guys. Obviously, Pentecost, um, I didn't say all in, so obviously I've listened to your podcast. So I knew this question was coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was the, the, the ending of it. So, Pentecost obviously means all in. Like I said, it's unity. It's all in. Um, but we talk about, okay, what does Pentecost actually mean? What does all in mean? What does unity mean? So we, we started a, a acrostic called grind. Uh, so grind to me being all in is putting God first. You put God first, everything else is going to fall into place. I mean, it's what we're called to do. There's no other God um, in front of your God. Love love your God first. Uh, the next thing is is the R. You got to have a relentless pursuit of excellence um, in everything you do. We talk about that having a relentless pursuit in everything we do, having a passion. Whether it's your passion is uh, uh, studying scripture, whether your passion is helping other people, whether it's playing football, whether it's in the classroom. But you can have an excellent in all areas of your life. But you got to have that passion. Uh, the eye is, is intensity. You have to have an intensity. It's got to be an intense focus. Uh, and again, we talk about our, to our players, intense focus when you're in class, when you're on the football field, when you're doing community service. Um, a great example of intensity to me is Gideon the Mennonites. I mean, mm. they, they surrounded 300 men around the mightiest army of all time. 
mm-hmm. they surround this hillside. And think about the intense focus they must have had because they start blowing their horns and bashing the, the jars. And, uh, boy, if they would have been attacked, it would have been over with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the intense nature right there is incredible to me. So we talk about that intensity, uh, the intense focus to being all in. And then in is, is nothing before team. So basically an accountability to being all in. Um, that's kind of a big thing we talked about this year is, is being accountable in all your actions to your teammates, to make yourself better in the classroom, to graduate, to be a good father, uh, to be a good husband. And the last thing is uh, the D is uh, discipline. So to be all in, you have to have discipline. And to me, discipline is biblical saying to teach. So you got to be willing to teach others, uh, teach others what, what you want, what the Bible teaches, and then they could teach others past that. It's the whole art of discipling. So that to me is, is, is how we try it, how me personally, how I try to be all in and how we try to teach our team to be all in. That's awesome. Wow. I was writing that down. I think I got it down. Grind. That's, <laughs> I love that. That's good because grind is a word that um, we hear a lot. Yes. Um, you know, in, in sports, you know, you always see it all, all online. Keep grinding, keep grinding. But I, I like that because now, now when I see that, I'm just going to have a different, different meaning. <laughs> God uh, first. That's good. Yeah, I love that. that. That's something simple, too, that can always stick with me. Well, I appreciate your time. I've, um, I've enjoyed this. I've got a, a lot of notes, and I can't, I can't wait to share it. I appreciate you. I love listening to you, and I appreciate what you're doing because your your message is being heard. So that's a that's really important. Thank you. It means a lot. Thank you again to Coach Maper for taking time to join us and share his story, his passion for life, his passion for football, his passion most of all for Jesus Christ and making Christ known through the game of football. Just a few takeaways from my notes. There's so much that we could talk about in this conclusion. Um, But just um, I wrote down that the reminder that God created you and me in his image. Therefore, God created us to be awesome. We should have no fear in striving for perfection in trying for success because God created you and me to be awesome because we serve an awesome God. I love everything that his football program is about is centered around unity. Um, he referenced Romans 12:10. Just the paraphrased version is be devoted to one another in love. It's, it's servant leadership at its best. It's serving others in love. There is no division where there is unity. We have one goal, and that is to serve God first, but it is to um, serve others in, in love. He closed us out talking about the word grind. The G, God first. The R, relentless pursuit in everything. It's your passion. I is intensity. The intense focus. He referenced Gideon from the Bible. In nothing before team. That's centered around accountability. The last is discipline. So in our everyday life, whether it's in, in athletics or not, we need to grind. We need to keep God first. We need to pursue everything with relentless pursuit, with intense focus. But nothing 
before the team. There is no I in team. I also loved his halftime that he does at this practice that he learned from a school in California. And because he is at a Christian university, he has even modified it to where halfway through practice, there is a break. And as the players lay down, they can drink water, but it's quiet. Coach Mayford reads Scripture over them. What a powerful image to think about, reading Scripture over 18 to 22-year-old young men. And I've been thinking about that. How, How does that resonate into my life? How does that fit into my life? I'm not a coach. I'm not an athletic. So what does that look like? Well, perhaps midway through my day, I can just take a break and be still before the Lord. I can ponder Scripture. I can just be still and refresh. And I believe I'll be more productive in my life. And I believe it will have a greater impact for this. It will give me a greater, deeper relationship with God. So I would encourage you to think about that in your own life. How could you adopt the halftime? If you're a coach listening I would encourage you to, to do it. You know, if, if you're not in a setting where you can openly read the Bible to your team, you can still speak life over your team. You can still speak life into your team. I, I just, that really, really spoke to me. And I just started thinking about what if we all took time in our days to really reflect on the Lord. We could change this culture. Because there would be a deeper passion for following Christ. That's enough of my recap. I've taken enough of your time. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to share this with somebody else. Um, If you're not a subscriber, hit the subscribe button. There's a bunch of episodes previous to this one. I know it will encourage you. There's a bunch more coming. I'm so excited about where God has taken this podcast and the guests we have coming up. Lastly, Interact with us through our website, allinsportsoutreach.org, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Type in All In Sports Outreach. Find out anything and everything you want to know about us. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support.